there have been some, uh, I don't know if I'd call them changes or catch-ups in the Medicare world, Medicaid world. We're going to talk about that and other things this morning with our special guest. He has written the book called Maximize Your Medicare, now in its umpteenth edition. I've lost track, but he is J.O., and we say good morning to Jay. Good morning, Art. Thanks how many, for having me. How many, but is eighth or ninth? I, I've lost, I've lost <laughs> track myself. <laughs> the current edition is the uh, 22-23 edition. Yeah. New one coming out sometime early next year. Many changes. I mean, you, you do this almost on an annual basis. Are there enough changes to justify it? I guess there must be, yeah. Absolutely, Art. I mean, the... The structure of the book, the way that people think about issues is this is largely the same. However, due to the changes, changing in plan, changing in prices, what you have is actually a very, very different set of conclusions in the book. So, uh, you know, the book is Medicare, but you also deal with Medicaid and you understand Medicaid. And we had some news stories about letters going out and, and qualifications and re-examinations. What is that all about, and, and why is it now all of a sudden newsy? Well, the formal name is called Medicaid Redetermination. That's the actual terminology being used. So what happened is, there, as a result of COVID, there was a public health emergency declared this year that period had end, has ended. Along with it, what happened with the public health emergency is that the qualification for Medicaid, which happens every year to people who receive Medicaid, gets re-examined. Your bank accounts, all of your financial For statements. everybody on Medicaid? For everyone on Medicaid. And that process was put on hold. Well, that process is being started nationwide now. And in Michigan, in our local viewing, uh, listening audience, audience, that is approximately, that is nine-page document. I've seen it as far as questions regarding, you know, your financial resources to requalify. Now, for requalification, uh, is it retroactive? In other words, since they didn't do it for a couple of years, uh, people that are getting requalified and maybe denied, are they going to go back two years or three years and say, uh, oh, guess what? You owe us. I find that unlikely. So while I'm not part of the state government and I've in general in the past, they have not done that. When someone, for example, they got a new job, they have health, they have access to health insurance from their employer at that new job. You don't qualify for Medicaid unless you have exceptions and very, very technical beyond today about those combinations. That said, do they set them backwards? No, but if they find out and if you are not qualified, you will get a letter which will say this is the date that your Medicaid benefits will end. And I can't stress enough to people that you'll want to keep this letter. You'll want to keep all communications from the DHHS, which is the Michigan-specific name for Department of Health and Human Services. The different states will all have their own names. But you'll want to keep these letters because they allow for other exceptions, rules, access 
to health insurance if you need it and if you want to purchase it, then there are benefits, there are lower premiums, and the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. And so it's not necessarily negative, but it's important to keep these letters if you get them from the state. So have these letters gone out, or are they in the review process now, or both? Both. So the review process has already begun, so meaning the people who are on Medicaid are receiving these letters in Michigan, for sure, because, like I said, because I've seen the letter from actual people. And it's daunting, to be candid. I looked through it. I was stunned uh, because of the number and types of questions. It is quite comprehensive and difficult to to gather all the information. This is not something that will be easily gathered just by clicking your, you know, snapping your fingers. This letter you're talking about, just to be clear here, the letter Mm -hmm. you're talking about with all these questions is not the determination. It's the inquiry. Is that right? It's the inquiry. But it's part of the determination. Eventually, it becomes part of the term. But this is not a letter that says you are cut off. No, no. You need to answer these questions first. If you do not, the important thing here is that if you do not answer the question, then you will be automatically rolled off. Yeah. And to give you an idea how big this is, you're talking about nationwide, approximately 90 million people are on Medicaid. 90 million. And Really? At any point in time, 20% are scheduled to be rolled off. Wow. So you're taught, and then in addition, I think that the. That's almost a quarter of the population. That is right. Whoa. So you're talking about the fact that Michigan is a good state for Medicaid. That said, what I find is that the estimates that, and I've seen published estimates let's call it a fifth that something like 17 18 million i actually believe that that number is low and the reason it is low is a nuance that many people don't understand why i appreciate you know you you having me here today is that if you are if you got a new job as a result of coming out of covid and that employer offers health insurance benefits you can't simultaneously be on Medicaid and be offered. So it's not a choice. If, if your employer offers the insurance and you choose not to take it, you're going to lose your Medicaid. That is correct. And then you will have a problem. You will have a problem that I can't resolve at that point. And so it's important because in addition to that is let's say you had purchased health insurance privately and use the advanced premium tax credit, which lowers your premium, lowers your deductible out-of-pocket maximum. And then you get a new job, and that employer offers you health insurance. You cannot reject employer-sponsored and keep your Affordable Care Act premium, which could be as low as zero, that you also need to relinquish. And that is another. that is actually a tax problem, even though I'm not an accountant, you are taking a tax credit to which you're not entitled. So as a result, the IRS has the right to <laughs> claim back this tax credit that you've claimed. Ouch. Yeah. Ooh. This is a nuance that many people don't know about. 
for example. There are many nuances, of course, because people don't understand that the nature of Medicaid is and Medicaid expansion, otherwise known as the Affordable Care Act, includes tax credits. Amazing. It's just amazing. That's why he's here, folks. And we'll uh, be back with more. If you have any questions about Medicare, Medicaid, uh, you can give us a call, 989-752-6111. And we're back with you here on WSGW, the Art Lawyer Show. Nice to have you with us on this Friday morning in studio with us, J.O., who has authored the book Maximize Your Medicare, now in its 8th, 9th, 10th, 12th, 15th printing. We don't know, Uh, (laughs) but it's been a while. It's been, what, at least 10 years, hasn't it? That's right, 2013. It was 10 years then. That's right. Wow. Um, So we'll come back to Medicaid, but uh, let's talk about Medicare for a moment. Any changes uh, in Medicare that are noteworthy these days? Most of the news is about prescription drug benefits, that uh, what you will see in the coming years are notable changes as a result of the Inflation Reduction Act. That, that survived the budget and debt ceiling talks that was on, apparently on the table and swept away. So most of those things have stayed intact. There's going to be controversy always around prescription costs, for sure. I don't think that's going to fade. That said, for Medicare beneficiaries, the key one is in 2025, which is that the out-of-pocket maximum for prescription drug benefits for prescription drug costs under Part D are going to be capped at $2,000 a year, which is just Are they not capped now? They are not capped now. There are multiple tiers, very complicated math of money uh, inputs. But as I said, in 2025, there's going to be a hard cap, dollar cap at $2,000 a year which is just a tr- of going to be incredible value to Medicare beneficiaries. So, I mean, I don't know if this is a political question or not, Jay, but if we keep expanding the base of Medicare, what it pays, and we ov- often hear that it's in financial difficulties down the road, it's mm-hmm. finite, how are we going to pay for this? What has to change? I mean, I look at the uh, the uproar overseas when they wanted to raise their their age to 69, and I'm going, we ought to be 70 here. You know, I mean, look at the actuarial tables. Something has to give, doesn't it? You would think so, Art, uh, that, like you said, said, the number of people on, for example, on Medicare, there are currently today 65 million people who are enrolled in Medicare. And next year, 2024 will be the year where more people turn 65 than any other year. Oh, good. (laughs) These are the demographic facts. It's part of the reason that I wrote the book, which is to say, there are the things regarding your, your personal body, meaning that how to, how you take care of yourselves. Don't drink Jack Daniels before 9am, that kind of thing. (laughs) Right. In addition to that, however, there's the contractual understanding, understanding of how Medicare works, understanding that there are pressures and therefore there are going to be changes. I think the country is still going to grapple with that over time. 
there are efforts to try to rationalize to lower health care costs systematically. How effective that will be is still to be seen. I have another question about Medicare for those of us who are on it mm. and we get notices from uh, the, the CMS or whatever it's called uh, that they've paid a bill, you know. Sure. And I just got one the other day. Uh, for a procedure that was done months ago, but it showed the same charge on seven or eight different days. And I'm going, wait, that's not right. What does somebody do when they have a question about a billing? Do you go to the biller or do you go to Medicare? The first stop is to the biller, for sure. So in other words, your health care provider, there are multiple parties here, obviously. There's the health care provider, there's federal Medicare. There can also be your Medicare Advantage provider or your Medigap provider. These three parties need to be singing the same song. Kevin Cole is just here. So <laughs> play, playing, yeah. playing the same <laughs> song, yeah. which is that they must agree on what has been charged, how much that charges, and you must have a reconciliation agreement on who is responsible for what. And sometimes there can be administrative error. You and I are not going to resolve the source of that error, but errors can happen, yes. So don't just accept it. No, I wouldn't just accept it. And that is even the case if you are a Medigap policy owner, which is, for example, Medi under Medigap, for, for yep. your viewers who or listeners who do not know, Original Medicare pays X, Medigap pays the balance in full for most of the plans. That said, if there's an error as a, a policy owner, a, a Medicare person, you just say, okay, well, I'm due zero. But if Medicare has been billed wrongly, that is basically part of the financial waste, if you will, in the right. system. You've got your seven line items in your instance. Well, maybe it only happened once, but there were seven entries. The other six, Medicare has been billed for. And paid, according to this sheet. And paid. Now, that's going to be subject to audit. Okay. at Not for you, but at the healthcare provider and the CMS, for sure. But it just goes to show you that the red tape, the moving parts, they are complicated. And for yeah, everyday people to be caught in the crossfire amongst these three parties that I mentioned, difficult stuff. Now, you mentioned Medigap, and one of the Medigap plans, the one I have, which mm -hmm. I've had for a long time, was Plan F. That's history, isn't it? Except for people like me, because I still have it. That's right. So there are certain, as I, and there was part of the changes. We mentioned, you know, why do I have to keep updating the book? There you go. If you're not, if your Part A and Part B do not read prior to January 1st of 2020, Plan F is not available to you. That said, 75 is the new 45. Let's just say, for example, you were on Medicare for whatever reason, Part A and Part B, prior to 2020, January 2020. Mm -hmm. It is possible to buy to buy into a Plan F. Plan F today. That is possible in theory. 
Mm-hmm. But practical reality is most people are not in that situation. Therefore, that plan is not available. So that plan is not available. For those that didn't know, that plan paid everything. 100%. 100%. Uh, what's the next best one in the alphabet soup of plans? So under Medigap, the plans for people who are new new to Medicare, the plans are lettered A through N, the most comprehensive plan being G, where you are responsible for the part B deductible, which is over $200, but less than $250. I don't have the figure off the top of my head. Once satisfied, Medigap will pay the balance. So that's the only difference between G and F. That is absolutely correct. Why did they feel it necessary to get rid of F? Well, hard to say. The CMS didn't call me to ask my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) It should (laughs) have. But uh, I think that what it did, it solved some issues, which is it solved the fact that hypochondriacs don't go over, go over, visit the doctor. I never thought of that. And the second one is that it also dissuades the healthcare provider from saying, don't forget to come in for your monthly MRI. And I know that's an extreme example, but you can see what I'm saying is that plan F by paying in full, it, basically created this free healthcare. Correct. This incentive that it did not intend to provide. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back. J.O. is our guest. We're talking about Medicare, Medicaid, and the like. If you have any questions, you can give us a call here on the Art Lewis Show, 989-752-6111. All right. We're back with you here on WSGW talking to J.O., who's written the book Maximize Your Medicare and is an expert on Medicare, Medicaid. Callers waiting for him, and we have Chuck in Bay City. Chuck, you are on with J.O. Good morning. Morning, gentlemen. Yeah, just a question. Of course, I'm on Medicare, but I know people who are on Medicaid. Um, one particular that I knew that has dental and optometry services and all that, you don't have that with Medicare. And I also knew somebody that tried to get counseling services on Medicare. And everybody takes Medicaid. Nobody was taking Medicare um, for psychological or counseling services. Um, it seems like Medicaid is a lot more beneficial financially and more, more benefits than Medicare. I would say that Medicaid has extra features in there provided by the state of Michigan or the state in which you live which are above and beyond original Medicare, the answer to that is yes. However... And why is that? I mean, we pay for Medicare, you know, those of us that worked and paid for it all our life. We don't get the same, we don't even get near the same benefits. The benefits are coming from a different source, meaning that they are paid from the Department of Health and Human Services. The state pays them. The state is paying. As opposed to the federal... That is right. So when you are on Medicare and Medicaid, for example, then the things that Medicare does not pay, for example, like vision, dental, these things are provided ultimately by the state of Michigan, not the federal government. All right, but let me ask this because Chuck brings up a good point. Now with Advantage plans, there are advantage plans that provide all of those things that Medicaid provides, aren't there? 
for Medicare recipients. So, yes, in the sense that Medicare Advantage, they can add these extra benefits to the Medicare Advantage plan. The answer to that is yes, Art. However, there are going to be co-pays, deductibles, sure. co-insurance, which do not exist in Medicaid. So the, so the cost is higher, but are there other benefits embedded inside of Medicare Advantage? The answer to that is yes. Yeah, there are, but people that are on that, I would never go to a plan uh, that advantage because you, then if you're out of the system, if you're out of state, out of the country, out of wherever, um, you may have problems um, finding a doctor. You may have problems even locally uh, finding a doctor. I that Going to that plan would bother me because mm-hmm. I know people that I know they get the silver sneaker thing with gym membership paid for and all these other benefits, but I think there are downfalls. I think you have to explore the pros well, and cons. Let me just point something out to you: you can get silver sneakers with many gap plans. You don't have to have advantage plans to get it because I have it and I've used it, and it works fine. Medigap, Medigap plan. Medigap. Yeah, if you have a Medigap plan, most of them will have silver sneakers on them. That that will be okay. dependent upon the carrier. I would say. Um, in response and kind of one of my very basic principles about financial matters, which is never say never, never say never. <laughs> which is that, which is that the degree of improvement, one of the changes over the decade of maximizer Medicare has been the dramatic improvement, the dramatic narrowing of benefits, benefits and cost between Medigap and Medicare Advantage. All right, Chuck, thanks. Appreciate the call. Bye-bye now. And this is uh, Cindy in Midland. Cindy, you're on with J.O. Good morning. Hi, good morning. I turned 65 in August. What is the latest date that I need to do for signing up for Medicare and Part B so I'm not penalized? The latest date is going to be th- yes. so if your birthday is August of 2023 the latest yes. date is 3 months after that month so September okay. October November that said what happens let's just say you apply in September for whatever reason mm-hmm. your medicare part b would be effective on the month following so October 1. Now, your question is off the beaten path. It's not the normal question. If you asked what's the latest date for it to be effective on August 1, then the last date is going to be on July 31st. Is that why most people are told to apply ahead of your birthday? When Again, back to, uh, you know, my favorite book on the topic, which is I, (laughs) is I, I, firmly believe for people that it is important to know in advance the timing here because there's first there's new language that people must learn which is not exactly the same as health insurance you've encountered in the past and then second is that there are steps on selection to understand and then third is that there is still 
bureaucracy and administrative steps to take in order to make sure that everything is in place in your instance on August 1st. And some of those are under your control, but the reality is some of them are not. You're, you may need forms from your employer. You need help from the Fed. You need Social right, Security and, uh, administration. Let me ask, uh, let me extend Cindy's question. Mm. If her birthday's in August mm. and November is the latest unpenalized, what happens if she doesn't make that deadline and applies in December? What kind of penalties are there? In December, that's not possible, first of all. Oh. You would have to wait until the first quarter of next year. But for every 12-month period, you would be assessed a late enrollment penalty that never expires. And then it would be effective the month thereafter. So, for example, let's just say you waited until February 10th of next year. It, mm -hmm. it is possible, but it then it would start on March 1st. And the penalty is how much? 10% of the then Part B premium. But remember, it's forever. for every year that you have not enrolled in Part B and should have. And then that penalty, as you just said, it lasts forever, never expires. Wow. Hmm. That answer your question? I yeah. do. I, yes, I do have insurance. Um, and I, I rarely ever go to the doctor, just once a year for a physical, hmm. been that way for years. So I am fortunate, but I just don't want to, I have to pay for that and then to pay for Medicare Part B. So I'm trying to hold off to the last, till okay. I so there's to a, save a few dollars. Let's talk sure. about comparable insurance, which she has. So we need to be really, really careful here. And again, you know, People have thought through this and crazily written books for and then kept revising it. <laughs> don't, don't write a book. That's a Cindy, by, by any means. Anyway, what, what I'm going to say is, the, is a couple of things and nuances. These are nuanced. You cannot have the Affordable Care Act at very low premium and be Medicare eligible. Cannot. But what about employer-provided insurance? Employer-provided, you can be. You can be. So you need. I, I have insurance through my husband's. He's retired, but through his work. Okay, so now you've uh, uh, now yet another subtlety. You cannot delay. Okay. Meaning so that when when you are the spouse of a full time active employee, you can delay. No, he's retired. When you okay. are the spouse of a retired employee, you cannot delay. Okay. So I guess I better get going on that. <laughs> and now you All can right. understand why Art has had me on his show over 20 times, because this kind um, of subtlety exists. Absolutely. I am so pleased that you are on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for calling, Cindy. Have a good <laughs> okay, one. Bye-bye now. And we will be back with more with J.O. after these notes. And we're back with you on the Art Lewis Show talking to J.O., the book Maximize Your Medicare, available where good books are sold everywhere, online and all that stuff. Uh, so we have Medicaid. People might be getting letters for redetermination. Right. How long do they have to fill it out? There's going to be a deadline there given on it's going to be stated might be on different on, that is yeah. right because they've got a long very very long list again 20 percent 
of the popu- of the Medicaid population is up for review based on the state in which you live. And then the next question is, if you are denied, is there an appeal process? There will be an appeal process. And again, you'll have to go through the state. It, of course, leaves people in the uncomfortable position, meaning that you need to have that de- appeal addressed. Otherwise, you could have some time window in which you have no insurance, not for Medicaid and not applied for the Affordable Care Act. And we know through watching the tube how many lawyers are out there that handle disability and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is it realistic to think that if you have to appeal, you're going to need legal counsel to help you? And will it help you? Uh, not being a lawyer, and even though I've presented in front of the State Bar of Michigan, what I would say is the practical reality is that if you had a very serious health issue that you know is going to require health care services, then it may be entirely uh, in order, a good idea, in order to defend your rights if you really believe that you are entitled to Medicaid. That said, for others, if you are talking about and you have provided your full set of information that ultimately I'm not the judge and jury about your Medicaid eligibility. The state is. And so it becomes more, more difficult choice in that situation for sure. Are all these plans age related in terms of the pricing? Yes, they are Uh, under the, for example, on the affordable care act, there is a limit. So for example, if, a 27-year-old is ha, is charged X dollars per month than the most that a 64-year-old is 4X. So there is there are pricing boundaries built into the Affordable Care Act. That's prior to the credit, the tax credit, which can be used to lower premiums deductible out of pocket. Depending on your income. Depending on your income, your household size, your age. So it's a multi set of filters being used to determine what this amount of your advanced premium tax credit. My last, my one of my practical pieces of advice, very similar to our caller from Midland, is you can understand the implication, which is that doing it yourself is opening yourself up yeah. to errors which are in the thousands of dollars. There a website people can go to? So the official website for the book is MaximizeYourMedicare.com. That is not surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, to reach to me specifically, you can go to the professional firm, which is G for golf, H for horse, the number two, Benefits.com. GH2Benefits.com. Jay, as always, thanks a lot. My privilege as always, Art. Thank you again. J.O. in the book Maximize Your Medicare. Back to close out after these notes.